Welcome to University, a podcast for young people navigating life's big transitions. I'm Anne-Marie Ciresso, your host. On University, you'll hear stories from college students. You'll get tips from experts. And occasionally, you'll hear from a parent's perspective on how to manage this time of change in your life consciously. Find yourself. Find your purpose. Find your people and pursue you fearlessly. Today, you're about to meet the very impressive Julie Lithcott-Haynes. I'm going to tell you why I invited her to be on the show. So these are the list of truths. It's true that she's a New York Times bestselling author of the book, How to Raise an Adult. It's true that she's a TED Talk presenter with her TED Talk having over 4 million views. It's also true that she's a former corporate lawyer and Stanford dean. She holds a BA from Stanford, a JD from Harvard, and an MFA in writing from California College of the Arts. It's a lot of initials. It's true that her work has appeared in the New York Times, the Times Literary Supplement of London, the Chicago Tribune, the Atlantic, Parents, As Us, the PBS NewsHour, CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, The Today Show, National Public Radio, C-SPAN, The T.D. Jakes Show, and numerous podcasts and radio shows. It's true that she serves on boards like the Foundation for College Education, the Global Citizen Year, the Common Sense Media, Lean In. Those are all of amazing things that she is doing in the world. And they're really, really impressive. I gotta say, I'm, I'm impressed and maybe even a bit envious of all her success, to be frankly honest. But what I was mostly attracted to was not what she has accomplished, but more about who she is at her core and how she uses her life to learn more deeply about herself and how she wants to show up in the world. So I wanted her to be on this podcast because when I recently heard her speak, she shared her story, her journey about how she became the most authentic, most honest version of herself from corporate lawyer, what she thought she should do, to Stanford Dean, to author, speaker, advocate. You know, some might say her journey was a little messy and it was not so linear, but it's her story. And her story is what this podcast is really all about. Finding yourself, finding your passion and your purpose and living the fullest expression of that. So sit back, enjoy the first part of our conversation. It was long, so we've edited it into a few episodes. And you're going to learn about how her life led her to become a fierce advocate for young adults and honestly herself. One of the things, um, Julie, that I'm really excited for you to talk to our students about, because I know that you in particular talk to parents, but um, your message I think is so profound for students. And I want to start with your story of authentic success. The one you talked about at the Zen Parenting Conference, and you talked about your journey, and I loved it. I loved it because it was so perfectly imperfect, right? Um, You did all the right things things, the quote unquote right things. And you, now here you are today. um, And I'm wondering if you ever imagined yourself in the position that you are now as an author, speaker, writer, um, when you first started your journey, when you first entered school, entered college and 
What did you imagine for yourself? Well, um, thank you for saying those nice things. I had dabbled in broadcast journalism as a teenager. I was in a cool program for tweens when I lived in Northern Virginia, and it just really got me excited about storytelling and interacting with a community around a story and, you know, being in front of the camera and, and, you know, telling it in that sense, using your language and your rhetoric to really kind of tell a story and, and, you know, be persuasive and, or impactful. And so I thought I was going to major in broadcast journalism. Stanford is the kind of school that doesn't have a broadcast journalism major. They tend not to have any majors that are super practical. It's like you can study English, you can study really anything to become a better writer, and then you can go be a broadcast journalist, but we're not going to teach you how to do broadcast journalism. So I was like, all right, I'll be a communications major. Well, I got a D in communications <laughs> freshman year. I couldn't understand. I mean, the books were so philosophical, theoretical about communications. Like, I just want to like learn how to be a TV journalist. And so the irony is here I am. So that was at 17. I got a D in that class. And um, you were still in high school. No, this was college. Freshman year at Stanford. I got a D. You were young. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't young then, right? We didn't redshirt kids then. Um, (laughs) I was a, I was young. It had to be five by September when I started kindergarten. Sorry, five by December and my birthday is late November. Yeah. Um, and that was back in 1972. So anyway, um, I'm a 17-year-old freshman in college. I get a D in the subject that I think is my passion. And I quickly decide, well, I guess I can't be that. So then I started taking Russian and studying international relations because it was the Cold War. <laughs> and um, the, the irony is here I am at 51, somehow having made my way to becoming an author, to being a New York Times bestselling author, to having a TED Talk with 4 million views, and I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm just putting it in contrast to the D that I got in communication, right? right? So I came around to what I wanted to do. Um, and um, In a very uh, circuitous way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, language has always been at the heart of it for me. And so I, I ended up going to law school and becoming a lawyer, passionate about using language to persuade and inform and so on. But I chose the wrong kind of law. I went to corporate law, which sucked the life out of me because I wanted to go into law to help people. And so I had to pivot away from that and find a way to help people. And that was the university dean work that I did, trying to be of use to other humans on their path in life. In some ways, a way station. Now I can look at it since it's seven years in the rearview mirror. Um, You know, I was in that role. I was on the campus for 14 years in three different roles. Um, And it was a, a way for me to heal the harms that I had experienced having been a corporate lawyer, having had the life sucked out of me, well paid but miserable. Now I'm far less well paid, but I'm loving the work daily, getting to work with humans, you know, and then I pivoted away from that toward, you know, trying to get my thoughts on a page, trying to get my concerns distributable to a wider audience than uh, whatever impact I was able to have on my campus, which I've thoroughly loved. I, and I do not know what's next, um, if I'll keep writing books for the rest of my life or if I'll do something completely different, but I have this urge to continue to grow and learn. I don't ever want to make it and coast Mm. um, because Mm. I'm not a potted plant. I'm not a dog. I'm a human who's, who derives pleasure and joy from the exhilarating edge of, you know, that you're on when you try new things, when you dare to say, I might want to do this next. Um, And sometimes people say to me, how do you hold on to the sacred thing that you're doing that you're good at and leap toward the new thing. And I say, you can't, you have to let go in order to leap. And, you know, so it's always, always the letting go, always the letting go. It's scary. 
And, um, and that willingness to be scared and terrified is part of what fuels you to really go for it. So. And you went from law school and then you, you, you shifted completely and became a dean. And you talk about this still small voice you had inside. Speak to us a little bit about your, your small voice inside, that you, weren't, you were quiet, you weren't listening at first. I, I think I would have sp- spoken about that voice as I was trying to leave, as I was trying to discern why I was so miserable practicing corporate law. Um, it was uh, this sense that I've been given educational opportunity up the wazoo. My parents have always loved me. So how is it that I'm so freaking miserable in my work? Yep. Work, by the way, that earns me a lot of money and people applaud me for doing. Why and you're good so at it. I'm happy and I'm good at it. And you're really good getting, at it. Getting better at and being mentored and believed in. And that little voice in me was saying, you know, you like to work with humans. You're interested in uh, the solitary human on a path, meeting an obstacle. You're interested in being of use to that human. You know, you're interested in the human story. You're interested in the why. You're interested in why people struggle and how people can kind of, you know, move beyond their struggles. And so that little, so I came to terms with like, I think I want to help college students make better choices about their futures. And when I told people that, I remember telling my father-in-law, who's a corporate lawyer and his close friend, a corporate lawyer, one night, my husband and I were having dinner with them while I was still practicing. And I said, you know, I think I might not want to do this anymore. I think I want to go into university administration. And my father-in-law's friend laughed in my face. Oh my God. He laughed uproariously. He said, oh, they're mindless bureaucrats. You don't want to do that. And I just tried not to cry. I was so humiliated and it was so inappropriate. I mean, who, obviously it tells you a lot about this guy. He was obviously an ass and, Um, But here I was, 25, you know, maybe 27, I don't know, and 26. And I was shattered. And I learned in that moment, you know, dream your dreams and tell them to the universe, but don't tell them to everyone in the universe. (sighs) Tell them to people who you feel you can trust and you can feel safe with, people who will be interested in helping, you know, who are in your network and who can help, you know, expand your opportunity rather than shut you down. The doubters out there are always going to be there. Yeah. And that voice inside, you know, I, um, I, I have that voice. I mean, everyone has the voice, right? Yeah. Um, and having the courage to listen to that voice, no matter what the doubters are saying, yeah. I, I think is, is, a, is a real skill. You know, you well, talk about life skills a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would tell my students, look, I imagine there's a lot of noise in your head, which is the noise, the cacophonous noise, mm-hmm. like lots of noise of, other people's expectations about mm-hmm. who you are or who you should be, what you should do with your life for work, for a major, right? There's all that parents, extended family, peers, the system, society, like telling you what's legit. And then there's your little inner voice going, but I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I would try to encourage my students to listen for that voice, to, to discern it out of all the other voices in your head, to find your own. And then to start to honor what it's saying, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's, that's a huge aspect of adulting. You are not somebody's project or pet. You do not have to be, do not have to go in the direction, you know, they're trying to push you or drag you. 
You and listen to you. You be you. You be you. We um we actually had a an Instagram post that said that you be really? you. Yeah, one, yeah. one of our students said that that we interviewed, and I loved it because um, I think one of the greatest challenges our students face entering college in this time in their life is figuring out who they are because they have been told for the last 18 years who they are. Right. So getting those, those outsides, that cacophonous, you know, noise that you mentioned earlier out of the way so that you can actually tune in and listen or, and hear that voice is one of their greatest challenges. And so how did you help your students um, get that clarity, learn to hear that voice and trust that voice? Because there's the hearing of the voice and then there's the trusting of the voice. I never worried about the trusting of the voice because I come from the premise that the voice is your self. It is you who knows you better than anybody, who knows what you value, who knows what you fear, who knows what you dream about. So I never really focused on the trust because my sense was this is implicitly a voice you can trust. I realize that's probably problematic. I'm just being straight up with you. Um, it was, you know, I, I used the language, listen for it and honor it. Honor which it. Which is more about having the courage to honor it in the face of all the other noise, you know, right? So how do you claim it? How yes. do you start to say to your grandfather, or your mom, or your best friend, when they say, oh, you know, what are you gonna do with that? That's, that's a stupid major. No one gets jobs in that field. Like, how do you say, how do you not let them ruin Thanksgiving? I mean, so many young adults are like, please do not make me go home for Thanksgiving, because my entire family is gonna be like, what are you majoring in? Or, you know, what are you gonna do next, right? And when I answer, they dismiss me, or they don't understand it. You know, I can say I'm interested in nanotechnology, and your grandfather's like, oh, I don't think that's going to be a thing. And you're like, actually, Grandpa, it's a thing, right? We're so, we're so cruel to yeah. kids when they dare to share their voice. We're so cruel and dismissive. And, um, and so to how to find the courage to say, you know, to your own self through a mindfulness practice, okay, this person doesn't know what I'm talking about. They're of a generation where they can't really understand it or appreciate it, or maybe there's just nothing in their worldview that makes what I'm interested in make any sense to them, but that's okay. I'm not here to lead their life. I'm not here to please them. They've got their life. They can judge me all they want, but I know that I'm interested in what I'm interested in. And that work brings me pleasure and joy and connection to work and other humans that matter to me. And, you know, I'm gonna keep going. I think it's the courage to stand up for yourself. Oh, Once yeah. you know what the self is telling you it wants to do or it cares about, or it wants to at least try to do, you know, finding the courage to kind of put on the battle armor and like defend the self. All right. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. That conversation was so inspiring to me. And I mostly hope that it inspires you to sit back, to relax into your own life journey and trust that when you listen, when you get still, when you get quiet, when you find your voice, that quiet voice inside you, it will always take you exactly where you're supposed to be. No matter how long it takes or what path it takes, trust it, pursue it, and pursue your life fearlessly every single day. Thanks for listening to University. If you liked what you heard, I'd be absolutely thrilled for you to share with a friend. 
and equally grateful for you to pop over and rate and review on iTunes. It really helps. You can find more information and stay in touch over at university.u on Instagram or at university on Facebook. I'll look forward to seeing you there. If you'd like support navigating the stress and chaos and you're ready to create a more fulfilling college experience, I offer live weekly group coaching calls every Thursday, 4 to 5 Central Time. It's a place to gather together, to be seen and heard, to reduce your stress and learn how to be in control of your life and create a life you love. Give the first week a try for free. Check it out. For more information, email me at annemarie.university at gmail.com or click the link in the show notes below.